Hey there again. Need I remind you that uh, the book of Proverbs says that a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Yes? I hear no amens from that. A woman who fears the Lord will be praised. And all the men says? All right, let's not go there. Anyway, I I do want to just, I was about to drop everything and just speak on uh, the experience that we had uh, for for this seminar that I just mentioned a minute ago. You know, the, the what the heart is full of, the mouth speaks, so to speak, right? And so, so let me just uh, remind you of of one verse that uh, that suddenly had personalities. We now see faces on this, right? It, it's Paul who writes to the Corinthian church in Second Corinthians chapter 5, and he says, Therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade people. That's it. That's our calling, friends. That is our task right there. And Christ compels us just a few verses later on, right? Because we no longer live for ourselves, but for the one who died for us. And was raised. That's a good reminder. That's our identity right there. We no longer live for ourselves, but for Christ who died for us and was raised. Let's take away all the selfishness. Oh, that's too hard. I, I don't want that. I'm made of sugar. I can't go out when it rains. All that stuff, right? It just takes that away and it focuses in on what it is. And I want to speak to that a little bit, but it's kind of in relationship with our series here on life together. Life together with Christ and life together with one another. My uh, favorite gospel, if it's even possible to, to speak that way, um, may be uh, the gospel of Luke. At least I find that most uh, captivating in so many ways, his description of Jesus' life. Uh, Luke is both a, a historian and a, a theologian, right? And he begins his gospel with these somewhat riveting words when he says, uh, many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us. Just... <clears throat> Just as the original uh, eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. Therefore, it also seemed good to me, since I've carefully investigated everything from the very first, to write to you in an orderly sequence of what happened. So, Luke decides, I want to write down about the life of Jesus in a systematic historical, sequential way. But Luke was not just a historian. He is a scientist, of course. He's a medical doctor, as we know. He was also a theologian, and, and he wanted to, to write things down that really mattered. And he knew it would be impossible to write everything down that Jesus ever did. So he chose specific things that he said, this describes the life of Jesus in the best way under the guidance and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He wrote down these things that mattered the most as he saw it with that. And therefore, sometimes when you compare Mark and, and, and Matthew uh, uh, with Luke, you would see uh, a slight variation on some details. They had different readers, 
right? And so they wanted to emphasize and highlight different uh, kind of things and wrote with slightly different styles. So when we get to Luke... You see uh, that it becomes clear why he often had been called the evangelist to the downtrodden or to the weak, if you will. It is when you turn to Luke that you will see uh, a special emphasis on the poor. You'll see a special emphasis on the women and on the children and on the Samaritans and on the downcast in general. Luke, stronger than anyone else highlights the important the importance of prayer just like he more than anyone else emphasizes the significance of the outpouring of the spirit and the joy that salvation brings right into a life of difficulty so Luke's gospel is to explore the significance of who Jesus is, really, and he is there to highlight the importance that this has for all generations to come, the importance of the outpouring of the Spirit. What characterized the early church? What was their devotion and their submission, their surrender, uh, their, their convictions, their empowerment by God's Spirit? And as you read through Luke and on from Luke into his second writing, the book of Acts, you will see that he is writing this to make sure that we all understand that that enablement and that empowerment of the Spirit was intended to continue throughout generations, throughout all places on the globe, even to 2023, even to the ends of the earth, like as far out as Louisville. Texas, yes? Two of you heard that, yes? <laughs> just, just notice the power here. And so as he begins, as he begins his writing <clears throat> in, in, uh, in chapter 3, chapter 1 and 2 deals with the birth of Christ, how that all happened. And so as he begins, he begins with a historical statement here in chapter 3 and then I'm going to read uh, from, from chapter 3. In the 15th year of the reign of, of Tiberius Caesar, why Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and so on and so forth. God, God's word, came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the vicinity of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin, as it is written in the book uh, of the words of the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight, the rough way smooth, and everyone will see the salvation of God. Then he said to the crowds who came out to be baptized, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't start saying to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. And they said, what should we do then? And he replied to them, the one who has two shirts must share with, the, with someone who has none. And the one who has food must do the same. 
Now jump down to verse 16. And he said to all of them, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming, and I'm not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Think about this for just a moment. These opening verses about John the Baptist were chosen deliberately by Luke to highlight what is significant and what has always been significant. That is that surrender to God is important. It is at the center of everything that it means to belong to God. But then he goes on to say, hey, but after me, comes a new dimension. He functions somewhat like a bridge between the old and the new. It's not that the old is is gone and it doesn't matter anymore, but that it has been giving a new depth and a new opportunity and a new dimension because of what God has done by sending his son Jesus Christ and pouring out the Holy Spirit. John says it even like this. As strongly as we just read in that last verse, I baptize you with water, but after me comes someone who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Think about this fresh power for a new life. We need this, friends. We genuinely, truly need need this. God has sent something that is stronger, that is more powerful than our own ability to kind of shape our own life patterns and and lifestyle, enablement, if you will, or Holy Spirit power that, that allows us to see all things in a new way. I think no matter who you are, it really does matter. If you have any kind of sense of God, you have to ask yourself a question like this. How come God did not just send a whole slew of preachers like John the Baptist? Why didn't he just Plant some of those everywhere. A lot of people from everywhere came to hear him. And their lives were changed. They were moved. They had a, their relationship with God strengthened and, and renewed in so many ways. His uh, uncompromising and direct word spoke to many and they, they turned to God. Why not just do that? Well, the answer, I think, is that That was not sufficient for God. John and his disciples remained forerunners, if you will. They remained messengers, spokespersons, heralds of what was to come. Something stronger, something more powerful than just 
the conviction of their mind, just the realization that they need to live in a different way. And if they follow God's directions and God's word, life indeed would be better, which of course it would. And we know that. But God said, that's not sufficient. There's more I want to give to my people. God does not want us just to be convinced in our mind, in our intellect about the importance of these things. He does not want us to just feel the earth to kind of be more dependent upon him. He wants to enable us and allow us to see what can can happen to our lives when his power, what flows from his throne, comes in to our situations and even to our very lives. So he gives the power that comes from no other than God Almighty himself. And I don't know if you've ever thought of that. I don't know how you do your Bible study at home. I don't know how you reflect in your times of spiritual deepening. But have you ever dwelled on this? Just reflected, slowed up. And reflected on this. That God the Almighty desires to grant to you his personal power. That you can tab into who he is. And he is willing to give. The question is if you want it. The question is, if you want it, I'm going to be careful with time, so I can't be giving illustrations for all this. But one of the churches we we, we visited with uh, last week had as a very centerpiece, as a very large church that didn't exist just a few years ago, as a very centerpiece prayer ministry. They had two full-time directors for prayer and another one for spiritual formation. That was the center. Whatever else we're doing, it had to come back to that. Power to do his work. He gives your life purpose and direction. And he empowers you to accomplish that purpose. The purpose of participating in what he's doing in calling the whole world, all of creation back to himself. I probably should just stop here and just have you pray from now on. Fresh power. But look back in the text. See how the prerequisite for that is what is translated here repentance. A chance a new beginning. We don't really use that word repentance much anymore for good or for bad. Mostly bad, I think. But having said that, the word means that a change of purpose. Metanoia, the change of your thinking. It speaks to a new beginning, a new way of putting life together, a new relationship. What Luke is doing here is he's showing us uh, how history 
were running its course, if you will, flowing even before Jesus came, even before John came, 800 years before John, someone prophesied that John would come and he would be the forerunner of Jesus. Isaiah said here, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness will prepare a way for the Lord, make his path straight. And the rest of that verse is about how to hinder, how to remove the hindrances that God may become your salvation. Everyone will see God's salvation. That happened. And that was like a type, typology, if you will. It, it is what happened then is what we see also now. Fresh power is needed. And the prerequisite for that is that we are willing to repent, that we are willing to change our life and our purpose and, and the way we put things together. There's a new relationship. That is started when you actually respond to God. I think we miss the point here somewhat. Right? We like when other people write lyrics that we sing along on. And we get so used to this. That it's just their lyrics and we sing it because that's what we do. We're not going to not sing it. And we mean it someplace, but we can't say from the depths of our heart necessarily that this is my story. This is my song praising my Savior all the day long. That's that transformation of mind or purpose, if you will. And it all begins with your relationship to God. When we realize that our relationship with God must make an actual, not a thought, not an academic, if you will, difference, but an actual difference in our lives. You know, powerlessness in life comes from indifference in our relationship to God. Relationship we may claim, but far too often we don't take serious. Too much, too much powerlessness around us, and maybe even in our own lives. And again, there, there's nothing new here uh, in in that particular point. What what he is pointing out, of course, is that that what was is going to change. And it was always like that when people give their lives to God on this, on this very day. It is 75 years ago since Israel was, was made a state the 14th of May, 1948. Way before that, back in the day, when King Solomon was about to kind of uh, inaugurate the temple, if you will. Things were not what they're supposed to be. And so God says like this, when my people who bear my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Just think of this for a moment. My eyes will now be open and my ears attentive. 
The prerequisite was the same back when as it is today. The will to hear the call of God and take it deeply serious. That this is a matter of changing life and purpose. It's like saying things have changed. I'm in a new relationship. I have a new purpose. I serve a new master. My life together with Christ, my life together with others, will now and must now look different. John said, I I can baptize you with water, but after me comes someone who can baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. Am I too bold if I say that we have become way too comfortable with knowing only water? We're good with that. Baptism with water. But let me move on just a little bit. Just talk about the importance of seeing this new dimension. In our lives, fresh power speaks directly to our integrity in our conversion, if you will. The integrity in our life with Christ. That's what he points to in verse 8 here when he says, produce fruit consistent with your change of life or purpose. Look at that. God is just eager for us to. Relate to him in a way that is clear. And he goes on to say, don't just point to, to pedigree. Don't just point to traditions. And don't just point to care certain kind of ceremonies when, when he says, don't start saying to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. Nothing could be less interesting to God than to just know about your pedigree. He's interested in you. You, as a person, as an individual, he cares for you. How your life change is happening. How you can be pulled out of the deep and the depth and the mire that that life can get into in so many ways. How you can find the kind of joy in the midst of difficulties. That's his care. That's what he cares for. A new relationship. I don't know if I can illustrate it like this. But imagine if I ask you about your marriage. Talk to me about your marriage. And the minute I say that, you've been married for years. And the minute I ask, all you can talk about is your wedding ceremony. What would... No, I'm not going to go there. But, but just think about it for a moment. How we sometimes will do just that with our relationship with Christ. Real relationship will have consequences. 
And they will be different from person to person. That's what we see right here. If someone has two shirts, well, give it to someone who has none. If someone has food, do the same thing. If someone is a tax collector, don't cheat. Be honest with all this. If someone is a soldier, be satisfied with the salary you get. Different consequences, but real consequences for everybody. The question is, and I had to ask myself several times the last couple of weeks, and not the least when I was preparing this, what consequence has God made in my life? Honestly. In what way is my life essentially, in its essence, different? from how it would have been had Christ not made that difference. Power is always directly related to the level of our relationship and to the integrity of our life change. Fresh power is vital. It's important. We talk about life together. It starts there, friends. So let me just end by saying a couple of things on that last verse that we read, verse 16 of of Luke's third chapter. We are evangelical Christians. And there are way too many of us that are concerned and unsure about this whole Holy Spirit stuff. We are sober. We're Bible-believing. We studied the Scripture, and we have realized that, that the coming of the Holy Spirit into a person's life is connected to the time when we surrender our life to Jesus as our Savior. And we know that, and because of that, we kind of calmed ourselves down and said, that's good. So I have the Spirit. I know that theologically and intellectually because I've studied Scripture, and that is what it gives me. But let me say this. If we have become, if we have not become clothed in the power from up high and all we can radiate from our life, the only thing that kind of comes out when people talk to us and look at us is right faith. All we have to show for is orthodoxy. And Christian faith remains dry and arid. And that may have been good enough 50 or 60 or 70 years ago. But that is not sufficient today in the world that is in dire need of seeing the power from God's throne in our midst. You know, people today... 2023 could not care less if you have the right kind of faith. If that right faith does not carry with it the power to make a difference in people's lives. So the question that remains and it still murmurs in my heart all the time is, is this. Has the right faith created the right kind of power in my life.
There's no shortness of God's desire to grant that. It's just the shortness maybe on our willingness to receive it. And it is a good reminder that we are the ones who need God. He doesn't need us. He can call anyone he wants, and he does. If we're not there, he'll call someone else. His task will be there. Question is, do you want to be part of it? That's really what that is. The promise is clear. Luke writes that in the opening, in the opening chapters of, of his next manuscript, what we call the book of Acts, where he simply says this, that in these last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. There's a pouring out of God's spirit everywhere on the globe. May that happen also right here at First Baptist Church of Louisville. Yes? Isn't that what we desire? We don't want to just read about it. We don't want to just hear about it. We don't want to just to recognize that it happens in the most difficult places and not here in the easiest of places. Lord, speak to us. Even now. I ask on a day like this, Lord, as we stand in a minute just to sing your praises again, but we stand really to respond to your word. Let someone grab in the friend's hand and mother's hand someone's hand. Come down here, a child that grabs his parents' hand and says, I, I want to pray. I want my life to be marked by Christ. A parent grabbing their children's hand, a friend's their hand, or spouse's theirs, whatever it is. Lord, put us on our knees. We need fresh power. We've heard your word, Lord. We want to see your hand. Do it even now. Do it even now. Amen. Let's stand, friends, and the invitation is open. You want to commit your life to Christ for the first time, this is a fantastic place to do so. Want to recommit your life. Many would want to do that in light of the text we just read. And some of you may say, I need to find a church, and this here seems to be the, the one. We'll be here to pray with you.